All your dreams are about to come true because we're talking about why it's worth it for the Atlanta Falcons to trade up for Georgia D-tackle Jalen Carter on today's Mock Draft Monday. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you know me. I'm Aaron Freeman, a.k.a. Serious Black, a.k.a. Mr. Drew, and, of course, the very humble host of this illustrious Locked On Falcons podcast or daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of the Locked On Sports Atlanta podcast family, your team every day. And, of course, we thank you for making this illustrious podcast your first listen each and every day, of course, is free and available Monday through Friday in a variety of podcast platforms, including on YouTube. And if you subscribe to us on YouTube and help us get over 5,000 subscribers here on Locked on Falcons YouTube channel, you will get the video version of the podcast the night before the audio drops. And you can also check us out on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV by downloading the Locked on Sports Atlanta app on your Roku and Amazon Fire TV. So without further ado, let's jump into the topic du jour on today's illustrious podcast. And it is Mock Draft Monday, of course, or maybe it's Mock Draft Sunday because you're watching us on YouTube because you're getting the video before the audio drops. And today we talk about a recent mock draft uh, over the last week. And that gives us an opportunity to take a deep dive into the player that that mock draft has the Atlanta Falcons select. And today we are looking at a mock draft from last Thursday from the athletic, where all the various beat writers that cover the various teams in the NFL over at the athletic ran their own mock draft. And the eighth pick, the Atlanta Falcons select. The eighth pick, the Atlanta Falcons select. The eighth pick, the Atlanta Falcons select. Sorry, had that uh, soundbite on loop. <laughs> always, always something, always something going on. So with the eighth pick, uh, the Atlanta Falcons select. Oh, no, actually with the fourth pick, the Atlanta Falcons select Jalen Carter, D-tackle from the University of Georgia. And our very good friend, Josh Kendall of The Athletic, projected the Falcons to trade up from eight to four with the Chicago Bears, who had already traded back from one with two, four uh, with the Indianapolis Colts. So the Falcons could land uh, Jalen Carter and the Falcons gave up that eighth overall selection as well as a, their second round selection this year, as well as their second round selection next year in order to move up four spots in the draft to get Jalen Carter. And I'm sure you're also curious. Okay. Like if the bears traded back twice, what did they get in their massive draft hall? Well, with the eighth selection that they got from the Falcons, they did take Peter Skaronsky, the offensive tackle from Northwestern, who we talked about as a possible option for the Falcons on last week's mock draft Monday. But the Bears did get a second rounder from the Colts uh, this year, the second rounder from the Falcons this year, a fifth rounder from the Colts this year, the Colts first rounder next year, and the Falcons second rounder next year. So basically, uh, in order to get Peter Skaronsky, they were able to pick up three seconds in a future first as well as a fifth. So Let's talk about the Falcons trading up 
for Jalen Carter. And later in the episode, we'll talk about the value of the trade and whether or not it's worth it. But let's just focus on the player that is Jalen Carter. And longtime listeners know I've been a big fan of Jalen Carter since last July when I talked about how, hey, if the Falcons wind up being as bad as some people think they're going to be this upcoming season, the silver lining to that is they're in a position, you know, with a top three draft selection to wind up with Will Anderson from Alabama or Jalen Carter from Georgia, the two uh, high-level non-quarterbacks entering this draft. And Jalen Carter certainly lived up uh, to that billing. You can debate if Will Anderson quite lived up to that coming off of this year. Um, where it was a little bit of a down year for Will Anderson. And so, therefore, I think to a lot of people's eyes, Jalen Carter is arguably the best player in this draft class because he was able to sort of improve from 2021 as opposed to Will Anderson. And, you know, I'm sure many of you guys that follow college football are well aware of Jalen Carter's, you know, accolades. He has it all as a D tackle. Uh, he's been basically the best draft prospect on the best college football team in America the last two years. Um, And even though Georgia had all those first round picks on their defense last year, most people, myself included, looked at Jalen Carter as that's the guy that's the best player on their team. And he only got better from that point as a sophomore a year ago when Georgia won their first national title uh, before following up with back to back. Um, And, you know, when you look at Jalen Carter, he's got the size, the strength, the quickness, the power, made a big leap this year in terms of having uh, being able to rush a little bit more with a pass rush plan. And I think that's, you know, we might talk about Will Anderson at a certain point uh, this off season, but if we do talk about him, that will be the big knock against Will Anderson, which is, you know, he didn't necessarily have a good plan when he was able to rush the quarterback this year. Um, and it's not to say that Jalen Carter is super polished with his plan. Cause it's basically his plan is basically, I'm going to, I'm going to bull rush you. Or I'm going to swim move you. But as a D tackle, I don't think he needs to be more than that. He doesn't have to be as varied with that because his power, his strength, his quickness is going to overwhelm most guards in the NFL as they did regularly in the SEC the last two years, including first-round uh, caliber prospects like Florida's Osiris Torrance, who's 337 pounds. And if you watch that game, he bullied Torrance several times in that game. There was one notable rep where he just kind of just bull rushed him, put Torrance on skates, a 340-pound guard uh, on skates, uh, into Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback, and Jalen Carter was able to, you know, be successful lining up at a variety of techniques, whether it's the one technique, the three technique, the five technique. And for those of you that are not as familiar with what each technique is, you know, the one technique lines up over the outside shoulder of the center, the three over the outside shoulder of the of the guard, and the five is over the outside shoulder of the offensive tackle. And, and the five technique is kind of the classic 3-4 defensive end. The three technique is kind of your classic 4-3 pass rushing defensive tackle. And the one technique is more of your classic 4-3 run stuffer if you want to simplify uh, that sort of thing. And Jalen Carter, because of his pass rushing prowess, he's going to be, you know, billed as a, a, a three technique, a high level guy. And so uh, he has that capability. You know, he wasn't really asked at Georgia to to defend the run a, a bunch the last couple of years. He was primarily a guy that they put on the field on passing downs uh, in that situation. But when he did get the opportunities to defend the run, he was he was solid in that degree um but 
you know, when you talk about Jalen Carter, you you can nitpick some things about his game. You know, he may not be elite when it comes to handling double teams against the run. Sometimes, you know, he rushes like a bull in a China shop, China shop, and there will be times where he'll get a little bit overextended and off balanced uh, because of that. You know, maybe he can improve his hand placement when it comes to some of those bull rushes, but all of those things are coachable. All of those things are things that he can improve in short order in the NFL. And so really when you talk about Jalen Carter, if you're going to knock him, the only issue, and I use issue loosely is basically, I guess you got to figure out what the heck Todd McShay was talking about a couple of months ago when he talked about, you know, Jalen Carter might have character concerns. I've seen no indication that that is a true statement. I don't think Todd McShay was making it up, but you've got to question whether or not the person he heard that from, you know, is, is a reliable source in that regard. So that's kind of the lone data point in, in terms of Todd McShay saying a thing one time on, on, a, on television that suggests that, you know, uh, maybe Jalen Carter is not the world's greatest guy, but every other single data point seems to suggest that that is a non-issue and, and in fact the opposite of reality. So, you know, NFL teams got to do some research on that. I don't necessarily have to do any research on that. I could just watch the film and marvel at how incredible a football player he is. And, you know, to piggyback on a conversation we had on the most recent episode of Lockdown Falcons, where we talked about Deron Payne and and how, you know, we that episode was talking about how you know, Payne is going to be franchise tag and the Falcons may not necessarily be as, you know, Falcon fans don't have to be as distraught about the idea of missing out on Deron Payne. And obviously in this hypothetical scenario, you know, you go from Deron Payne to Jalen Carter, uh, you know, I feel like you're you're making a massive upgrade. But we talked about how Deron Payne, you know, the issue with Deron Payne and, and why, you know, for me personally, I was not as gung-ho on on adding Deron Payne because of the likelihood of the price tag that you would have to pay for him which is like 20 million dollars a year uh should he hit the open market and not be franchise tag but the knock on that was you know Deron Payne would be the Robin to Grady Jarrett's Batman that he you would be paying 20 million dollars to get basically the second best pass rusher on the football team but if Deron Payne's Robin and Grady Jarrett's Batman that kind of makes Jalen Carter Superman uh, to continue that analogy in terms of the guy that has the potential to be one of the premier D tackles in the NFL. I'm not going to necessarily say he's going to be Aaron Donald good because Aaron Donald is, you know, on just a different level of everybody else. Um, But, you know, I do feel like Jalen Carter would be in the mix to inherit the championship belt as the best interior pass rusher in the NFL. Now that guys like JJ Watts retired, now that you, probably look at an Aaron Donald who looks like he's probably going to retire in the next year or two at at some point in time. Um, And so Jalen Carter could be the guy that inherits that belt as, Hey, that's the the most dominant, you know, interior pass rusher in the NFL. And so you kind of look at Aaron Donald on, on his own tier. Right. And then the next tier is where like Chris Jones is um, and Fletcher Cox in his prime and, and Cameron Hayward, and you could probably put Calais Campbell in his prime on that next tier. And then you probably put Grady Jarrett on a notch below that on the on the next tier. You know, if if Aaron Donald, Aaron Donald's like a zero tier because he's beyond first tier. And that Chris Jones tier is a first tier guy. Grady Jarrett's probably a second tier guy. I think Deron Payne's probably a third tier guy, a notch below that. I think Jalen Carter has the potential to be a first tier interior type of pass rusher. So, you know, if... If he's Superman, then I guess that probably makes Aaron Donald dark side 
if you know for all my comic fans um <laughs> in that regard just because aaron donald's out here trying to murder people with helmets uh so you know he's a, he's a, he's a super villain but um yeah we'll we'll talk a, a little bit more about the worth of jalen carter and whether or not it's worth giving up two second round picks in order to secure your superman and the answer is yes but we'll talk about why that is as we continue uh today's episode but it is the midway point of the nba season uh, or we're past the midway point of the NBA season, and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win, and all you got to do is download the FanDuel Sportsbook app, and it's safe, secure, and super easy to use, and you can bet anything you want from money lines to point spreads, even the same game parlays. And as I'm recording this, the Hawks are currently up against the Brooklyn Nets and and they wind up you know retaining that lead and winning that game they'll be 2-0 since they fired uh coach Nate McMillan and so maybe you want to ride that win streak so make sure you take advantage of that no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on that's fanduel.com slash locked on make every moment more with fanduel an official sportsbook betting partner of the MBA so when we talk about the idea of trading up uh, in the draft, in general, I am anti-trading up, and we'll discuss exactly why a little bit later on today's episode, but I think I would make the exception uh, for a player of Jalen Carter's caliber, or at least of a player I think Jalen Carter has the potential to be, and it's not necessarily, I, I don't want anybody's takeaway from today's episode to be, Aaron is saying that the Falcons should trade up for Jalen Carter, it's more that the t- today's takeaway that in this specific scenario that Josh Kendall has laid out uh, where the Falcons trade up for Jalen Carter, I think is a great trade for uh, the Atlanta Falcons. And I think when you, that is due to the price where you're giving up a second this year and a second next year. Um, and I think, you know, a, a good way to evaluate that is by looking at the, the various trade value charts. And if you guys checked out the episode earlier this week with Brad Spielberger of PFF, you know, I have a tendency to nerd out about these trade value charts. So this is right up my wheelhouse in terms of this. But there are three main trade value charts that we can sort of look at and evaluate this trade. And that's the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart that, you know, is 35 years old now at this point in time. At the very least, it's the Rich Hill trade value chart, which is a little bit more updated to how actual trades work in recent years. And then there's the uh, Fitzgerald Spielberger trade value chart that we talked about with Brad uh, earlier this week that is more about, you know, sort of outcomes as based off of finances. We'll get into the specifics in that, but let's look first at the classic trade value charge, which is that Jimmy Johnson one. And according to that trade value chart going from eight, where the Falcons are currently picking to four is worth 400 points. And if you just look at that 400 points standalone would be worth a mid second round pick at the 50th overall selection. So the Falcons giving up two, second round picks is basically worth double what the point is. And I will say we're, we're for, we're looking at the second round pick that the Falcons currently have number 44. And I'm also making an assumption that the 2024 second round pick in order to value these things is basically in the middle of the second round, the 48th overall draft selection. Um, and so those two combined in the Jimmy Johnson trade value chart would be about 888 points. So uh, a little bit over double the worth of, of going from eight to four. If you look at the Rich Hill trade value chart, which I believe 
was created back in 2017 when it was based around the actual pick for pick trades that were used in the NFL over the like the five previous years. A move from eight to four would be about worth 85 points, which is worth standalone the 61st overall selection, so a late second round pick. And the Falcons would be giving up in terms of this uh, scenario about 256 points, which is three times the value of what that trade value chart says a team going from eight to four needs to give up. And then we go back to the Fitzgerald Spielberger trade value chart that comes from our, our good friend uh, Brad from PFF. And I believe, as Brad tried to explain it on that episode, is that that is based around the actual outcomes from 2011 to 2015 based off of the finances of what those picks wound up being worth on like second contracts. Again, it's all a little bit over my head. That's why, you know, Brad is the, <laughs> is the professional and I'm just the guy that's like, Oh, this is cool. Um, but a move on that trade value chart from eight to four is worth 351 points. That's worth actually the 186th overall draft selection, which is like a fifth round pick. And the Falcons give up over 2000 points, which is actually six times the rate of that pick based off of that chart. And that kind of illustrates what we're talking about and, and why, you know, in general, I'm against the idea of trading up, right? Because human beings run NFL front offenses and human beings are fallible, right? Human beings often overestimate their level of expertise, whether it comes to anything in life, but certainly when it comes to the draft, we talk about it all the time. And you guys are well aware that, you know, the draft is a crapshoot and, you know, the definition of a crapshoot is a risky or uncertain matter. And basically what happens is people, humans, uh, overestimate how much certainty there is when it comes to these sorts of things. And basically draft history tells you that there should be little to no certainty when it comes to drafting players. And that's kind of what the Fitzgerald Spielberger chart is kind of telling you is that the drop from one pick to the next pick. And I know the tankers are rolling in their graves when they hear this, but the drop, you know, between picks from one to two to two to four to four to eight to third round to the fifth round in terms of actual outcomes for the various players is not as significant as probably, you know, the perception is. And so therefore that's why for this specific chart, you know, giving up two second round picks is over six times the amount of value uh, necessarily. So again, whether you buy into that is, is up to each and every one of you, but from my personal opinion, I think this, specific instance is the exception to the rule where I think it is worth it for the Atlanta Falcons to trade up. Because again, despite everything I just said about uncertainty, you know, I, I'm not, I won't say I'm certain, but I feel confident that Jalen Carter is a special player. I'm not going to use the G word, AKA generational, because it often gets uh, thrown around, but he certainly probably is a very good candidate for the G word. Um, and you know, what that is, is a quote unquote alpha, right. When it comes to a pass rusher, which is a guy that you can kind of make the centerpiece of your entire unit and you can kind of build your entire unit around him because he's going to be the focus of everybody's pass protections and, and, and opposing game plans. And so that's going to free up everybody else in order, uh, to maximize. And, Again, this is a little bit hypocritical because if you listen to the, uh, the most recent episode where we talked about Deron Payne, I was talking about how people overvalue sort of the top in pass rushers, but it wasn't necessarily because I thought 
an alpha like a Jalen Carter or a Chris John, Chris Jones or an Aaron Donald is overvalued or overrated. It's just I think people overrate how many of those guys actually exist, right? They overvalue non-alphas, right? You know, they'll take a player like a Deron Payne, who we earlier called a, like a third-tier defensive tackle, which is still a very, very good player. Don't don't get me wrong. Don't I don't want anybody to walk away and be like Aaron thinks Deron Payne stinks. No, I think he's a very good football player, but. I think what happens is you wind up paying a third tier pass rusher like Deron Payne, like he's a first tier pass rusher. And that's what I mean when people overvalue that type of player. And so I think what an alpha like Jalen Carter does for the Falcons is twofold, where you're not only you're getting first and foremost, the help that we've all been clamoring for Grady Jarrett to get over the next couple of years. But if, Jalen Carter is that alpha is as good as we think he's going to be that not only extends Grady Jarrett's uh, career and maximizes, you know, the, the remaining years of his career, because we've talked before about how, when you look at other pass rushers, like a Grady Jarrett, you know, uh, a Geno Atkins, a Jonathan Babineau, et cetera, Jarrell Casey, that the, you know, you, you can estimate, you can guesstimate that Grady Jarrett has maybe two more peak years before he starts to fall off. But because if Jalen Carter becomes that alpha, the guy that's going to draw the double teams, that's going to allow Grady Jarrett to feast a little bit longer in his twilight years because he's going to get singled up. You know, that could extend Grady Jarrett's peak and prime even further than two years. And maybe that's three, four or more years. But not to mention, even if that doesn't happen, Jalen Carter can kind of inherit the mantle as the centerpiece and the focus and the alpha in your defensive line uh, for years to come that you're going to get potentially seven to 10 years peak years of Jalen Carter in the future. And you can then fill out the rest of your pass rush with other players around him. And that's going to enhance those guys, uh, you know, you know, a pairing of him and Arnold Abichetti and all that sort of stuff. So if Jalen Carter does live up to being that alpha, being that Chris Jones, being that Fletcher Cox, that Calais Campbell type of player, you know, that to me, if you're getting that, that is well worth giving up two second round picks. That is well worth quote unquote overpaying, um, in terms of what we're talking about going from eight to four. And so that is going to do it for us on the mock draft Monday portion of today's episode. We will get into some mailbag questions talking about sort of the timeline on a Lamar Jackson trade, uh, talk a little bit more about salary cap, whether or not the Falcons should sign Yannick Ngakwe. But if you're not done talking about the NFL draft, guys, why not continue to make Locked on NFL draft your second listen after today's locked on Falcons, where they are also doing mock draft Monday and breaking down all the top prospects, especially heading into this week's combine week. So check out locked on NFL draft on YouTube or wherever you get your podcasts. So as we wrap up today's episode, getting into the mailbag portion, let's look at our first listener question, which comes from, uh, never ending pain. Uh, I use Alfred on Twitter. He asks regarding the Lamar Jackson trade, any chances drags out to the draft, specifically the eighth pick to see if one of the QBs falls, maybe Baltimore is more likely to take two first and a second. If Levis or Stroud are still on the table. So I think there is a chance that, you know, the timeline for the Lamar Jackson, you know, that Lamar Jackson doesn't necessarily get trade in March and maybe get trade at a later date, but I don't think it's likely. Because I think if you're Baltimore, you're incentivized to try to get that deal done earlier than possible, nor do I, I feel like you are incentivized to 
replace Lamar Jackson with this year's draft class. Like the, the beauty of getting three first round picks in the scenario that we all sort of envision Baltimore trying to get um, is that the beauty of getting three first round picks is it, it gives you, you can kind of pick and choose your spots. Like you have a, a three year window of basically being able um, to replace Lamar Jackson because you're going to have two first round picks every single year. And so if, if the right quarterback doesn't fall in this year's draft to the eighth overall selection, then you're good and you'll still be in a position to use your two first round picks next year. And probably you'll be picking high as well uh, again to move up and get a quarterback in, in what many people think is next year's quarterback class is going to be even better. Um, so I don't think the Ravens need to worry about that uh, in terms of like, we got to wait and see if one of these quarterbacks falls to eight. Uh, and so, therefore, we're going to hold on to Lamar Jackson. My best guess, and again, just pure speculation on this front, that if the Ravens do decide to trade Lamar Jackson, you will see that trade get done before the start of the league year on March 15th, right? So the, the, the two dates that we have to pay attention to is March 7th, which is the deadline for the franchise tag. And the scenario that I think a lot of people are picturing when it comes to Lamar Jackson trade is that the Ravens on that day decide to put the tag on Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson basically says, I'm not going to play on the tag. I'm done. My, my days as a Baltimore Raven are over because uh, I refuse to play on the, on the franchise tag. And then we get into a situation, you know, over the next eight days that the Ravens will basically say, okay, well, if that's the case, then, you know, we are, we are open for business with Lamar Jackson and similar to what we saw with the Deshaun Watson stuff last year, you know, and that took a, took place over five days you know, the Ravens will try to get a, a deal officially done by March 15th when the league year starts and, and trades can become official, right? And it's incentivized for the Ravens to do that because they can maximize their value during that window because if they wait until after, you know, other teams are filling, you know, the Derek Carr and Aaron Rodgers and Jimmy Garoppolo and whoever else is on the move this offseason, other teams will basically fulfill their, you know, quarterback holes and therefore, you know, you you want to get a bidding war, right? You know, it's in the, Lamar be, Jackson's best interest to get a bidding war started so he can get the most guaranteed money that he wants. And it's in the Ravens' best interest to get a bidding war started because then they can maximize the return on trade because someone can say, okay, we'll give you three firsts and a third and a fourth, which is the same deal that Houston got from Deshaun Watson. And someone will say, well, no, we'll give you three firsts and two seconds. And then someone else will say, well, we'll, we'll give you three for four firsts and, and, and two seconds or something like that. So that's why I think, you know, a Lamar Jackson trade, if it's going to happen, it's going to happen sooner versus later. So I hope that answers your question, Alfred. Our next question comes from Seb's dad, 19 from the discord. He says, you mentioned the salary in on the salary cap episode that teams trading would absorb the guaranteed portion of the salary. Does this matter when it comes to pre and post June like cuts and how they're handled. Um, if I understand what you're asking, no, they don't. I don't think there is any distinction between when you're absorbing slash inheriting a base salary pre or post June, right? Um, I think there are points in the calendar where, you know, there are clauses in people's contracts where if you're on the roster at, at this certain date, then your base salary becomes guaranteed. And so therefore it's theoretically possible for a team to trade a player before that date. And therefore the team that acquires that player can then go in and sort of erase that clause, renegotiate that clause in their contract. It's possible for that to happen uh, so that that guarantee doesn't kick in. But I don't think it, 
you know, there's no automatic way of doing that based off of June 1st versus June 2nd type of thing. Uh, our next question comes from Duval Falcon in the Discord. What do you think about signing Yannick Ngakwe for four or five years at 14 million per? So, um, you know, I don't think Ngakwe is going to be on the team's radar just because I don't think he has the three down value or the size that this team wants for an edge rusher, uh, given how, you know, Ryan Nielsen and the Saints like to play with lighter boxes. And that's kind of going to be the thing for a lot of teams in the NFL. Um, Yannick has never really been a great run defender Duval Falcon assuming that you're from you know the Jacksonville area Duval County um I'm sure you're well aware that you know Yannick Ngakwe's ability as a pass rush specialist will no, not knock him there um he's gotten eight sacks every single year he's been in the NFL certainly I think he could go a long way to helping enhance players like Arnold Abiketti and D'Angelo Malone by teaching him that cross chop move that he has that he's basically made a career out of utilizing at a high level. But I think with Yannick, there's been diminishing returns ever since he left, left Jacksonville. Like basically ever since he came out of Calais Campbell's shadow, he has not been the same dominant pass rusher that he was in Jacksonville. And so while I don't think you're wrong for thinking he's worth that, I don't know if he's going to be worth that for the Atlanta Falcons just because of the scheme that they're going to try to install with Ryan Nielsen and wanting bigger, more powerful edge rushers that can give you not only value on first down, but also on third down. Yannick is giving you third down value, but not so much on first down. But we'll have to sort of see. I, I think I think you already have that type of player, or at least you're hoping Ebe Ketty can be that type of player for you in the future. So I don't, you know, no one's going to sit here and say having two of those players is a bad thing, but I don't know if the Falcons are going to be as interested in that. And we'll wrap up today's episode by looking at a mock draft from Justin E who sent an email over to lockdownfalcons at mail.com. And for those of you watching on YouTube, you can see it on the screen. Um, and he, why we're talking about this is not, in, you know, incentivizing all you guys to send in more of your mock drafts because frankly i don't care but we're talking about justin's just because he also had the falcons trading up uh for jalen carter he had them trading with the seattle seahawks uh you know, getting both of seattle's first round picks number five overall and number 20 overall and as you guys watching note he had the falcons giving up their eighth overall selection their first round pick next year and their third round pick in 2025 and Jalen Mayfield, they select Jalen Carter with the fifth overall selection from Seattle. They get Bijan Robinson, the Texas running back, with the 20th overall selection from Seattle. And so this is the reason why we're talking about this is you got Jalen Carter, got the best player in the draft. You got the second best player or third best player. Will Anderson, second best player, third best player to draft and, and Bijan Robinson at 20 overall. And then he got rid of Jalen Mayfield. And this is an A-plus draft. Shout out to you, Justin, for an A-plus draft. Let's talk about the rest of the draft. He had the Falcons taking uh, Isaiah Foskey, the Notre Dame pass rusher in round two. I'm not as high on, on Foskey as other people are. He's fine, but that doesn't move me. I'm a big fan of Cody Maku. He has the Falcons taking in the third round, the North Dakota State offensive lineman. Um, although I think Mock's going to be long gone by the time we get to the third round. He has them taking USC guard Andrew Voorhees in the fourth round. Uh, Voorhees is a good player. I don't know if he's a great fit in the outside zone scheme. Um, he has the Falcons taking uh, Texas no tackle Keandre Coburn in in the fourth round as well. You know that's a good pick. He has them taking uh, Georgia quarterback Stequavius Bennett in the fifth round. And, and Justin noted in his email that he's trying to make everybody happy by taking both Bijan and Stetson. Uh, so I think he he certainly does that. Um, seventh round he has to take on another quarterback in, in BYU 
quarterback Jaron Hall, who was a player I liked when I watched this film last year. I haven't really watched this film this year. So interesting that you have them taking two quarterbacks. Um, I guess you, you're taking the heart, the, the notion, uh, Justin, that you have to swing multiple times in order to hit on a quarterback. So you're going to have uh, Desmond Ritter, Sequavius Bennett, and uh, Jaron Hall uh, as, as the three quarterbacks in Atlanta. Maybe you're, you're also counting Logan Woodside. Uh, but mo- most importantly, Justin wraps up his draft with North Dakota State fullback Hunter Lipke in round seven. And, you know, Jalen Carter, B. John Robinson, and Hunter Lipke automatically makes this a home run type of draft, getting a fullback. So uh, I will say to all of you guys that now or be incentivized to submit your mocks via all the places that you can submit your questions, LockedOnFalcons at Mail.com, LockedOnFalcons on on Twitter or Facebook, LockedOnFalcons Discord, or um, leaving a comment here on the Lockdown Falcons YouTube channel. If you're going to do that, make sure you include B. John Robinson in your mocks and a fullback uh, in your mocks. And Hunter Lemke is probably going to be the top fullback for a lot of people in this year. And if if you do those, if you check those two boxes, maybe, just maybe, I might talk about you on a future mock draft Monday. So shout out to you, Justin, for, you know, getting that A plus draft with, you know, getting rid of Jalen Mayfield, getting B. John Robinson, Jalen Carter and uh, Hunter Lipke. That's all you need to get an A plus for me. But that's going to do it, guys, here on today's Locked on Falcons. Uh, tomorrow, uh, make us your first listen and you should be able to listen to us talk uh, about we'll do the free agent episode that we were supposed to do last Friday. Uh, that I punted to Tuesday, and that will be the episode where I will break down all the offensive free agents that I would like to see the Falcons sign. Of course, now that I say that, the Falcons will probably announce all their coaching hires tomorrow, so we'll have to punt that till further in the week. But later in the week, the plan is, unless the Falcons decide uh, to to make a move, uh, is to talk combine and preview that as the week unfolds. And then later in the, at the end of the week, we'll do another free agent Friday. We'll, we'll talk about the defensive free agents that I would like to see the Falcon side. So continue to make locked on Falcons. Your first listen, check out locked on NFL draft for your second listen with hosts, Damian Parson and Keith Sanchez from the draft network who are going to be covering, you know, everything about this draft and all week long for the combine uh, this week. So make sure you subscribe to locked on NFL draft on your preferred podcast platform, guys, all part of locked on podcast network, your team every day.